0: All right everybody we were talking about a C- series 2 season 2 of Doctor Who if you're watching it on Amazon it's episode 12 if you're watching it somewhere else it's probably episode 11 uh, and it has I have the alternative working title here uh Her Olympics uh a, but it, it also has a different title uh and uh, it it, it's a, it was a really enjoyable episode Olympic themed a little bit uh, blue and cloudy Sky, it opens with happy music. There's actually a blue sky with clouds, which I said, Miss, like, last episode was about ELO, Mr. Blue Sky. We see a, a banner that says London 2012 Olympics, or Olympics one tw- 2012 London, or 2012 London Olympics, or 2012 Olympics of London. And then what do we see? A uh, mail person. There's road repair going on. At first, I thought the mail person was doing food delivery, but then I said, no, I think that's mail delivery, not because this is 2012. It wasn't uh, like one of the food delivery services. Uh, though it could have been filmed. I don't. I don't actually know when it was filmed. We see a baby in a pram. Kids playing soccer in their yard. A washing. Oh, dad is washing a car. Uh, we see someone with her hand on a second story window looking out, uh, a woman looks around. Then the, I think there's a spin cam. A doctor can't help DK. Can't you feel it go inside? I don't know what DK means or ad, oh, ad. Maybe, is that an ad? No. Yeah. But what happens is, uh. Oh, i just saw the spin cam it's a woman she's walking with her her basket uh and she knows something's coming in coming coming like a uh, coming she says something's happening she's surprised why nobody else notices it uh then uh her name's mave actually just like the famous lamp post named mave if you listen to everything is a live podcast oh yeah they say you want us to call a doctor she says no doctor can't help with this uh she says, don't you feel it? It's in the air. Uh, and she tells everybody to go inside. We hear Kookabara, Kookabara, a girl singing that song. We see a boy in a Union Jack polo, or it was a T-shirt. I wasn't sure. The girl that was singing is also drawing. Laugh, Spe Spiegel writing. I don't know what the... Uh, I'm not sure what that says, but then the dad is dismissive of the woman, Maeve, uh is this say goad or road or a oh, goal? Uh, there's uh, With the goal, uh, we go back to the girl who's drawing. She's really into it. And then she finds a way to take the boy with the Union Jack out of the goal, the sack goal, and put him in a drawing for fun, for total fun purposes. He's not so sure about it, but then the episode opens. It was by it's by Matthew Graham. Then we see after the open the two blue uh, not crates. What are those called? Like storage containers, uh, like shipping containers, almost uh, that are almost the same blue. The TARDIS is in between them, like just a little bit less than wedged in there, so that they can't open the TARDIS door. Which I guess this would be trivia. The TARDIS door opens outward. And so then they, the TARDIS dematerializes and re materializes. with the door turned. Uh, a doctor goes out. He has his brown pinstripe suit on, but he does not have a tie. He says, ah. Uh, uh, Rose looks uh, at a Shane Ward poster. Uh, like, post no bills. Shane Ward bills are posted for the upcoming Shane Ward show. It's the near future because uh, his doctor says yes. Time for the thirtieth uh, Olympiad in uh, London. He said I had a passing, f- passing fancy but didn't pass. Uh, so we came here. They talk about uh, a club med. Uh, doctor seems like only yesterday I was at the original Olympics. Uh, you know with the Greeks. And he wants to go to the opening ceremony, like I thought they would like it. Uh, he was also at the one in 1948 at Wembley, uh, looking for carrying the torch. He he loves uh, cakes with ball bearings on there, little cakes with uh, crunchy ball bearings uh Uh, And they're on a thoroughly ordinary street, I think the doctor mentions. But then, of course, Rose realizes, she says, it feels cold. Uh, And then what does it say? What makes you think it is a person? Why is it so cold, the doctor says. uh, Someone reducing the temperature. And then they realize, uh, you know, they were brought there for a reason. Uh, Oh, Rose says, what makes a person do something? And the doctor says, what makes you think it's a person? And then the doctor runs off to fool fields, uh, something with his, oh, field goal, the football goal with his fingers, a car stalls out by Rose for the fifth time today. I don't know what that says. I thought it said bonkers, but it might say benders or bounders. Uh, maybe it's this gentleman's name. Let's see their car is a Cooper mini ran out. Uh, the gentleman working says fifth time today. He says, let me give you a push. Uh, the guy says, I just got my car tuned up. I don't even know what happened. Oh, he does say, it's bonkers, bonkers. Uh, and then Rose helps him push the car. It starts after they get it going a little while. The uh, doctor tickles uh, f- f- something. Doctor tickles his fingers? Let's see. Dad, what you came? Can't come. The doctor talks about the game Shoots and Ladders by another name. The gentleman talks about tarmacking every pothole. They talk about the the torture is going to be nearby. That's why he's been making the streets look good. Oh, yeah, the doctor senses some tickles in his fingers. Uh, No, the dad comes and says, why are you standing in my kid's gold, dude? What's your game? And the doctor goes, well, I'm good. Oh, uh, uh, Shoots and Ladders, uh, Squash, uh, those are the games I like to play. Because I'm being facetious, though. Sorry. Uh, I've got a colleague, Lewis, uh, who's Rose, uh, because the dad's acting like, uh, I mean, the doctor's like uh, using his psychic paper. He says something like, it's right here. Uh, Oh, then it's like an argument between the the city, the council workers, and the the people that live on the streets. And someone, a guy from the council says, stop picking on me and stop blaming me. And then the doctor says, everybody put your fingers on your lips. Uh, and then he says, come on, this was a good street. Uh, not, not a, not a person. Please look. Uh, oh, and we see the person looking out the window. The doctor does some sniffing like a dog. You see it's right here among us. Metal smell, the doctor says. Uh, Hair's on the back of my neck or back of my head. Uh, I'm sensing an awful lot of power. Then we see the young girl who's been drawing. Her name's Chloe. She's drawing a cat with Dale, the boy in the Union Jack shirts. And let's see. Who looks frowny? Dale looks frowny. And then she says he made Dale a frowny cat, which will make him happy. Then I put man torch watch. Uh, Chloe Chloe does not come. I'm busy mom. So I think her mom. Uh, here's that watch and everybody has their fingers on their lips now. And then Maeve asked Doctor for permission to speak. She says, look around. Uh, yeah, this used to be a great street. Uh, and I don't know if Chloe's mom was portrayed in in a specific way or not, but, uh, She's definitely aloof uh, in this episode, so I don't know if that was intentional or not. Uh, but Chloe, like in her mom, say, she goes, Mom, unless you want me to draw you, stay out of my drawing business. I don't want to watch the Olympic uh, torch. Uh, Rose sees a cat. The uh, doctor says, oh, this is definitely not a person, because uh, the cat, g- cat goes uh, to another dimension. Uh, let's see what else come up here. Uh, uh, cat, Oh, the cat sneaks into a box and then goes into the drawing, draw into drawing land with Chloe. Doctor says, blimey, we got to find the source of the power that's drawing everybody into the drawings. Well, they don't, but they don't know everybody's in a drawing yet. They just know they're being drawn away. Uh, find the source of, power. power. keep up a pocket, Lewis. Uh, it, it was a still calling, uh, Lewis, uh, Rose Lewis, like they're looking into stuff. Uh, he says some other thing, like a typical, uh, like a copper would in a, a show. Keep up something, Lewis. Uh, Chloe talks, scolds kids. Oh, she scolds the kids in her drawing, and then she gets frustrated. She makes a big scribble. So Daisy Ferryweather is the person currently carrying the torch. Uh, then Rose goes up to a garage. She she hears some some sort of noise in the garage. Uh, and she says, I'm not going to open it, not going uh, to open it, not going to open it, not going to open it. And then she opens it, and the scribble flies out like a, a flock of birds. The doctor's zaps it with a sonic screwdriver. This answered a question from the last episode, because the doctor and Rose have a big hug. Uh, so that was, uh, uh, they said, okay, so Rose and the doctor do have physical connection. Um, uh, let's see what else they put the dialogue. So let's see what they talk about here. Uh, let's see, okay, that was a scribble. Maybe it was an ionic scribble being. Huh. The doctor, oh, they tested back at the TARDIS. Oh, it's the same material as graphite pencil. Oh, doctor calls it so dinky. Yeah, It comes from the same energy, Uh, so it's graphite, so they do determine. uh, Rose goes, well, what if it was from a child's drawing? Uh, You said it was on the street. Oh, the girl upstairs looking out the window, and her mom looked uh, like she had something on her mind. And then the doctor goes, are you deducing or deducting? And Rose goes, I am. Copper's hunch, permission to follow it up, Sarge? Well, I didn't look this up, HB pencil, but uh, that was interesting. Uh, why make a scribble creature, sh- sh- scribble being like child? Are you deducing they go to the house, knock, knock, knock? Uh, repurpose move. Uh, what does that mean? Talk with mom. Oh, they do a reverse, uh, like the reverse psychology move. They knock on the door. They say, "Hey, mind if we check in with your daughter?" She says, "No." They say, "All right, no, no problem." And the doctor walks off with Rose, and then they say, well, why do you want to see Chloe? And they say, she the doctor goes, well, I just thought I'd look into it. Uh, something going on here. Thought she could help. Uh, sorry, we'll just move on. You can handle it yourself. And, and then Trish, and mom, says, well, can you help? Uh, and we get a little backstory while Rose goes sneaking around the house and then hides in a linen closet. Uh, Chloe goes out of her room Rose sneaks into her room It's a nice room uh, Lots of kids stuff Lots of kids drawings of kids uh, Rose knocks over the pencil She notices the kids faces have changed uh, So she says Oh these kids are in these drawings uh, Doctor's getting backstory downstairs uh, Chloe's getting milk uh, Rose goes How you doing Chloe Webber and she goes, I'm busy, as a matter of fact. Uh, and Trish, goes, Trish talks about Chloe like she's not there. Doctor gives her the Vulcan salute. I had to look that up. I she was just calling it spy cans. uh And Chloe says, she's not trying to help the drawings, but they don't stop moaning. Uh, and uh, Chloe's a little bit irritated with her mom. Uh, Rose looks into, like, a wardrobe, and, uh, there's a, a big drawing in there. Coley says, Doctor, hit the road, I'm busy. Doctor calls her a spoil sport. What's the project? Uh, yeah, glowing eye. She, Coley drew a drawing with glowing eyes. Uh, Rose calls the doctor, because she says, I don't like this glowing, looks at this drawing. It's a drawing uh, in, in her closet or wardrobe. Uh. And the mom says, you guys got to lean, leave out of the house. Uh, I think Chloe gives a little hint because she talks about herself in the, herself in the plural, us, as she refers to herself, kind of her and her mom, but also just to herself as us. Uh, Mom's in a bit of denial about everything. Doctor tries to break through the denial. I'm here to help. Uh, Doctor starts to exit jelly or something. Oh, was, I don't know if he was eating brown sauce or jelly in the kitchen. Rose and the mom and the doctor talk. The doctor does a ton of uh, staring and thinking. And then speaking of Spock, the doctor go, they go back to Chloe's r- r- room. The doctor does a bit of like a mind meld uh, uh, so he can talk to another being. It's a living with Chloe. And he says, uh, now we can talk. Uh also, Chloe gave the doctor the Vulcan salute back before he did the Vulcan mind meld. Uh, and there's another being with Chloe. The doctor says, I'm here in compliance, uh, parlay with the Shadow Proclamation. Chloe says, I don't care about shadows or parlay. It turns out that uh, the being living with Chloe is called Isolis, which is a... Let's see what I got. Chloe does mind meld. Parleys, Uh I think even that term got used. Like a bit of a golem turn. Lonely. Isolus is lonely. Far from home. Uh, part of like your collective being takes thousands of years for these Isolus, which are like kind of like uh, seed pods a bit. Uh, they're from an empathetic planet of community beings. Uh, they fly on solar tides, thousands of years to grow up. Uh, while they travel, they play with each other in this imaginary empathy thing. Uh, they run on the fuel of love, uh, or they feel each other's love, but a solar flare kind of knocked this particular Isolus off the chart. And it was drawn to the heat uh, in the street while they were patching the streets, and they empathized with Chloe. And but this is, you know, this being does not belong there, so they say, Well, you got to get back. Uh, of course, this isn't easy on Chloe, so then they sing Kookabara to calm her down. Uh, then this, oh, we see a bunch of Chloe's marker and pen collection that we get back, back, more backstory. Uh, mom, oh, I think, uh, the pretty big fonts, four billion Zoe. Watching eighty thousand crowd looking for the pod. Uh, but there's something ha- I don't I don't know what any of that means. To be honest with you, uh, marker and pen collection and backstory. Okay, so hint to mom. Yeah, I saw is from a big family, four billion people. So that's what. So I saw is gonna want to find a bigger family soon. Then they're watching the opening games. A crowd of eighty thousand d Rose and the doctor go out looking for the pod, you know, wherever the Isolus' little ship came. And uh, Zoe sneaks out of the house. She sees the TARDIS and the doctor. The doctor and Rose are on the TARDIS looking for, like, a search device to find the pod. Uh, the doctor says there are two, ne- two de- lonely, mixed-up kids, the Isolus and Chloe. We've got to help them. Because Rose kind of speaks for the audience's skepticism in some way. It says, Why should we help these two? And the doctor says, They're just mixed up. Uh, they use a binary dot uh, and some wormhole reflectors or something. Uh, Rose, oh, Zoe, Zoe, Chloe, I put Zoe there, but she has stashed pencils everywhere and pens hidden in a room. The doctor drops a huge hint. Uh, I was a dad once. Uh, even though they're in the middle, middle of something, the doctor changes the subject. Uh, he says it in passing, Rose gives a WTF. Look, uh, fear and loneliness, doctor says, those are powerful things. And most of all, uh, you need a hand uh, to hold. Again, beautiful language in there. Everything is coming up. Doctor, he says, like a gull's egg. But then the doctor gets it. Chloe draws the doctor into a drawing. Drawing. Doctor into drawing is in, co- in something, and Rose is not happy. Oh, they weren't happy because Rose, they said, don't let, don't leave Chloe alone and don't let her draw anything. And then the mom's like, why? She Mom must have been a big Olympics fan because she was like, I'm watching the Olympics and having a glass of soda. Uh, does try to chill doctor's hands in pockets. Uh, well, Rose tries to chill out. doctor's hands are in the pockets in the picture. Don't leave Rose says again, don't leave her alone. Uh, she goes out to talk to Kel. Who's a guy looking at the road. He's uh, working on the road. He's fixing it again. There was a good joke. He said, I could write the big book about tarmacking. Uh, he goes every six, uh, six days. This is, uh. Six days ago is the first pothole fix. So they realize, Rose realizes, uh, uh, that that's when, that's when the uh, whole thing started. So she's like, where's the first pothole? And uh, then, the, the, let's see, what the dialogue was pretty good. Because uh, she says, I'm going to dig it up. And he says, uh, no, 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 state, you can't. This is, you know, council property, van, uh, you know. Rose says, don't worry, I'll dig up the pothole. You can put it back. It went for the hottest thing in the street, your tar, in the uh, pothole. And she pulls out, it looks like a shell. And she goes, Kel uh, says, what is it? She goes, it's a spaceship. Uh, uh, Rose finds that Chloe's, Chloe's drawing again. She's alone. Uh, so her mom's back, you know, a little bit aloof. Uh, she talks to the, star. St- st- oh, talks to the, she takes the, uh, starfruit moon. Uh, mom's downstairs having a drink, empty state. Oh, so Ro- Coley takes the, empties the whole Olympic opening game stadium. She paints, she draws the whole stadium, which they said before it happened, uh, it was 80,000, uh, people and 30,000 athletes, uh, Bob in a box. Uh, they say back to you, Bob, uh, WTF, uh, uh, Rose and pick pickaxe, uh, pictures are moving a doctor, uh, more than heat, uh, the torch is a beam. So, so they're trying to figure out, okay, Rose wants to get the doctor out of the picture and to, to do that, they got to get Chloe or the, uh, back to, you know, outer space, uh, and it's like okay, it doesn't just need heat. And uh, the Rose of working with the doctors, painting. Uh, and then they the, the 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 Olympic opening games is going on TV. They say, oh, the torch is more than a, uh, just a beacon, or more than heat. It's a beacon of hope and love. And uh, this handwriting is still going towards uh, random empty. What durs timing? Yeah, well, let me see if I can look that up. Uh so uh let's see. Okay, yeah, here it goes. Uh, uh needs more than heat. Cool Col- the Isola says Rose says once, uh Kel-, Kel says they see the picture move. Uh uh, but it needs more hope uh, more than heat director. That's when they say it's more than a church. It's a beacon of hope, fortitude, and courage, a beacon of love. Uh and then Rose knows how to charge the pod, uh, so she runs out to the route, uh, she goes, got to get closer, I can stop everything. Meanwhile, Chloe's trying to get more family members, four billion or whatever, she's drawing the globe, uh, so there's a ticking clock now. The pod is making noises, Rose says, you can feel the love, can't you? And Rose throws the pod and it flies into the torch, uh. And a torchbearer goes to knee and then keeps going, and then we go to Chloe's room and the isolus leaves her. It says, "I can go home. Goodbye, Chloe Weber. I love you." Uh, Chloe's back. She kind of connects, reconnects with her mom. Uh you pop beeps, uh, perfect throw. Feel the love. Goodbye, Chloe Weber. I love you, mommy. She says. Uh, Everyone gets out of the pictures. There's big mu- music, big hugs. Everybody's reunited. Stadium's filled, but the doctor's missing. Uh, Maeve is back on the street. She's all happy. Yeah, all drawings are back to normal. I solace energy, not alone. Sing, doctors. Uh, I don't know what that meant, but uh, you know, I solace is getting to go back home. The doctor's still missing. The Olympics are back on the TV. They say, thank goodness, Bob. Uh, Good to have you back. Uh, Bob said, I think it was in a drawing. Uh, And then they say, where's the dude with the, um, the dude who can't run anymore with the torch? Uh, And then a total moment of, uh, of like, uh, joy, I guess. The doctor scoops up the torch, the doctor does, uh, and starts running with it. uh, he's carrying the flame. They say it's more than a flame. It's hope, courage, love. There's big cheers and grins. Uh, the doctor runs right into the Olympic Stadium, lights the Olympic flame. The isolus flies out. Uh, everyone's like, in the streets with joy. Uh, cake with ball bearings. Rose says to the doctor, he says, tap banana. And then there's big hugs. And then there's uh, quite the tease. Uh, cause we see, let's see what, how, how's it close? A cake, top banana. ball bearings you can eat, masterpiece. Uh, and Rose goes, I thought you were gone. Kind okay, and Doug goes, not on a night like this. This is time for lost things to be found. Uh, he goes, let's go to the games. And Rose goes, who does good and what? And then they joke, uh, and the fireworks just start, uh, And Rose says, you know what, Doctor, Uh, we'll never be split up. And then Doctor says, never say never. And Rose goes, what was that about being a father? She doesn't say that, but she says, we'll never split. Don't you reckon, Doctor? And Doctor goes, there's something in the air. A storm's approaching. And the episode comes to a close. Okay, so let's shake the 2012 Olympics. I think I have this game on Wii with Mario and Sonic. it was a uh, 2012 Summer Olympics, the 30th Olympiad, uh, known as London 2012. Uh, July 27th to August 12th, 2012, uh, women's football was the first event held at a Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. Uh, and followed by the Olympic ceremonies on the 27th of July. Uh, the bid was held by uh, Kent, the uh, mayor of London and Olympian, ch- Olympian Sebastian Coe, they won over uh, New York, Madrid, Moscow, and Paris. Uh, The first city to have the modern Olympics three times. The last two times were 1908 and 1948. Uh, Let's see. There was a lot of uh, work that went into it and rebuilding and reuse of venues. uh, Widespread acclaim for the organization. Opening Ceremony was directed by Danny Boyle. Uh, Michael Phelps won this 22nd medal. Uh, let's see, anything else? Bidding process, we don't even know about that. Uh, oh, you d- ba- ba- just barely beat out Paris, so it was really close. Yeah, development, venues, uh, Hyde Park, uh, you have a lot of stuff that we could, you know, I'll link to it. Uh, uh, they tried to get their uh, um, public transit upgraded to public transport to get ready. Uh, they ran a c- cable car across the Thames. I don't know if that's still up or not. Uh, uh, the plan was to have 80% of athletes travel, have to travel less than 20 minutes to their event, uh, and 93% less than 30 minutes. Uh, let's see what else here. Uh, cost, uh, of course, there's expensive ticketing, countdown, medals, or oh, torch relay. Here we go. Uh, the Olympic torch went ran from May 19th to the 27th of July before the Games. Uh, lands were developed in 2010 and 2011, and the torch bearer selection process announced on 2011, May 18th. Uh, they were 20, May 18th, 2012, the flame arrived at, uh, uh, in Cornwall from Greece on a flight, uh, called Firefly. And, uh, on the flight, the flame was carried inside of four minor lamps, uh, uh, supplied by a lamp company from Manchester. Uh, it really lasted 70 days with 67 celebrations, six island visits, uh, 8,000 people carrying the torch, uh, starting from Land's End in Cornwall, three days outside the UK when it visited the Isle of Man in Dublin, and Guernsey, in Jersey. It focused on national heritage sites uh, with sporting significance. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dumfries and Galloway were the only regions in the uk that had it passed through twice and uh, yeah it was actually lit together uh, with uh, a few different uh, torch torch bearers. uh so uh, opening ceremony uh, see, opening ceremony began at uh nine pm at British summertime which is UTC plus one. Uh it, it was called The Isles of Wonder. It was Danny Boyle in music direction by Rick Smith, uh, opened by Elizabeth II with uh, Prince Philip. Uh, it was the second game, Games the Queen had opened uh, personally, the first being the 1976 Games in Montreal. It included a short comic film with uh, Daniel Craig, uh, the Queen, and Rowan Atkinson as Mr. Bean. Uh there's a, you know a bunch of uh performers and then the uh closing ceremonies around on the twelfth of August uh and you know, so that's a little bit about uh twenty twelve Summer Olympics. What about Pram? Uh, you the Pram is a for a uh four wheeled uh uh what do you call it thing? Conveyance for children, baby transports. Uh, but it's also a, a small, uh, shallow drop, b- b- flat bottom ship, uh, or a boat with a transom bow rather than a pointed bow, which makes sense because you, you don't think prams are pointed. Uh, kookaburra, kookaburras or kookaburras are uh, terrestrial kingfishers, uh, native to Australia and New Guinea, which can grow to 28, from 28 to 42 centimeters, uh, uh, it's an onomatopoeia of uh, their call, Guguba, Uh A l- loud, distinctive call of laughing kookabara is widely used as sound effects in uh, movies that uh, take place in Australia. Uh, let's see, there's uh, the rufous bellied kookabara, spangled kookabara, blue winged kookabara, laughing kookabara and the shovel the kookaburra. Uh, they eat small forest friends. Uh, it doesn't look like they're under any kind of... Uh, it says they're listed as the least concerned. Uh, the Australian law does protect native birds. Uh, they, yeah, they're yeah, they famous because their laugh sounds very human. They were one of the three mascots in the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney. The other was, uh, uh, let's see, it was Sid the Platypus uh, and Millie the uh, 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 cheetah and Chinda. Uh, There's a famous book, The Mystery of the Laughing Shadow. Uh, There's, of course, the famous song, which we'll get into. And I guess it's the extent of the, some facts about the kookaburra. Oh, this is all from Wikipedia, everything that we've done so far. Kookaburra, saw, kookaburra I say kookaburra, uh, also known as kookaburra sits in the old gum tree. It's a popular Australian nursery rhyme and round about the kookaburra. It was written by Marion Sinclair in 1932, uh, who was a music teacher. And she had a sudden inspiration in church dash home, wrote to Sukukubara, And entered the song in a competition run by the Girls' Guide Association of Victoria with the rights of the winning song to be sold to raise money for the purchase of a camping ground. The song's well-known around the world. Uh, copyright status is uh, still under copyright. Uh, and... Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Like, I can't sing on the podcast. So, and I, I know a long time ago, I read the words to it. Uh, who's Matthew Graham? Matthew Graham uh, was uh, on the credits for this episode. Uh, is a British television writer, uh, uh, also a co-creator of the uh, great show, Life on Mars, uh, which came out in about two, wow, 2006. And there was was actually like a US uh, version of it too. There's also a spin off, Ashes to Ashes. Uh, He's worked on other shows. Uh, Bone Kickers, uh, a six part drama series about archaeology set in Bath. Uh, And I think that's it. What do we got? Like, uh, did an episode of uh, East Enders. let see, a couple more Doctor Who episodes. Uh, oh, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. So, d- just a little bit from Wikipedia about Matthew Graham. What about Shane Ward? Uh, Shane Ward looks a little bit like uh, Rob Cesar Nino, actually. Uh, and uh, Shane Ward, born in 1984, English singer and actor. Uh, best known for his role as Aiden Connor on Coronation Street from 2015 to 2018. He was the winner of the second series of X Factor. His debut single was uh, came out in 2005. That's My Goal. Went to Christmas, the number one chart. It uh, was the first X Factor winner to release an original song as a winner single. Original song, I mean. Uh, Uh, signed on to Simon Cowell's uh, record label, Uh, hit platinum in the UK, 4X platinum in Ireland, Uh, also two more hit singles, No Promises and Stand By Me. Also had a hit with a follow-up album, Breathless. After a little hiatus in 2010, a third album came out. uh, 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 Then uh, we started to go to TV fame. and, and I would say definitely easy on the ice, uh, and then, uh, his shirts open on, uh, what do you call it? Wikipedia? So now what about Club Med? I don't know. Like the only thing I knew about Club Med, I guess was wrong. I thought it was a thing in the eighties that single people used to go to, uh, for vacations, but it turns out, like looking at this one, it's, uh. A private company headquartered in france a premium all inclusive holidays uh, started in nineteen fifty by a Belgian entrepreneur Gerard blitz uh, it was a low price to summer colony of tents uh, and uh, then the first official first official club met was built in uh, Italy. Uh, they remember stayed in uh, unlit straw huts on the beach, uh, sharing communal washing facilities. Uh, but it's been upgraded. In '61, uh, Baron Rothschild uh, visited it and enjoyed it. Uh, they opened winter villages in Switzerland and Tahiti, Mediterranean, Caribbean, and Florida. Uh, Yeah, originally attracting many singles and young couples, then it became a destination for families in the 60s, Uh, because I guess, I don't know, when I guess in the 80s, I thought it was like some, I thought it was really fancy. Uh, In the 90s, uh, there was too much competition, so they went on to decline. Uh, then from a holiday village company to a services company they've tried to change uh, like then they've had gyms restaurants uh, and clubs uh, but that strategy was not successful In 2015 it was acquired uh let's see what else we need to know villages uh there's family resorts resorts for everyone and resorts for adult only uh exclusive collection in popular culture, the phrase club met a cheap holiday for other people's uh this is like, uh, and then the sex pistols had a song about it too. It was satired in a film called Les Bronzes, uh, uh, released in English as French fried vacation. Uh, another movie with Jim Carrey and Alan Dick, uh, Copper Mountain the Club Med experience was a quasi-commercial for the Club Med Village at Copper Mountain, Colorado. In Nineteen eighty-six, there was a TV movie Club Med with Linda Hamilton and Jack Scalia. So yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess I don't, I don't. I still don't know anything about it. Uh, maybe maybe there was some other. Maybe, oh, maybe, I guess maybe there was a different thing that I'm thinking of. But I guess it just seems like an all inclusive resort. I guess because once somebody copied that, then that's when their fortune, you know, it's like, oh, we could just give you free alcohol and food. Uh, I guess maybe cruise ships probably were a competition. Okay, so this is a website, my, com. my blueprint. This is by Jesse Olson Moore from November 17, 2018. And I'll be fair paraphrasing everything you wanted to know about sprinkles. uh, And there's tons of stuff. There's round sprinkles, non-parels, or whatever. Teeny tiny balls, rainbow of hues. Non-parel means without equal in French, or pariel, whatever. uh, uh, So, oh, British have their own name for these orbs. Hundreds and thousands. uh, hundred thousands. I think you've heard that. Uh, This is possibly the cutest way to say sprinkles. Then there's cylinder sprinkles, uh, these are made by excluding sugar paste and long skinny ropes, uh, in some parts, uh, these type of sprinkles are referred to as a jimmy. Uh, then there's the balls the doctor likes, D-R-A-G, D-R-A-G-E-S, Drage's. uh, it's a confection with a hard outer shell, uh. The name comes from a term for sugar-coated pills, uh, but really any candy-coated garnish could be a form of dragée from Jordan Almond's M&M's. Uh, but when it comes to cake, people will think of these as uh, metallic-toned ones resembling ball bearings. Uh, and you got to make sure to check the ingredients. They say sanding sugar. I don't even know what that is. Translucent, available in a variety of colors. Larger grain than white sugar. Oh, adds a nice light touch. Crystal sugar is a uh, sanding su- sugar's older sibling. Translucent in many colors, but larger and coarser. Uh, pearl sugar looks a bit like dragees. Uh, shaped sprinkles, they can come in any shapes, uh, stars, and etc. cetera. So that's just a little bit about sprinkles. Uh, what about the game Shoots and Ladders? Uh, it also is known by other names, but we won't worry about those ones, of course. Uh, oh boy, hold on, I just, uh, messed up, I just pressed the wrong button, uh, shoots and ladders, and then we'll talk about, uh, one other thing after that, it's actually an ancient Indian board game, now worldwide classic, it does go by other names, two players on a game board having numbered gridded squares, the number of ladders and chutes, uh, uh, on each board connecting two specific board squares. The abject games navigate one's game piece, uh, from the bottom to the top, uh, helped or hindered by the chutes and ladders. The game is a bit basic, like basically a race to see if we can get to the top first, based on sheer luck, uh, popular with young children. The historic version had roots in morality lessons, uh, where the players' progression of the board represented a journey through life uh, via virtue, ladders, and chutes, vice. Uh, Yeah, Mostly displayed on a board, originated in India, as a part of a family of dice board games, uh, maybe at the same time as Ludo and Parcheesi. Uh, Milton Bradley started putting out in 1942. Uh, but you could see them in the national uh, the National Museum in New Delhi has a, a very older version of the game, so that's cool. And then let's finish with the Vulcan salute. You know, let's say let's say good night on that. Uh, Vulcan salute is a popular hand gesture popularized in the 60s to show Star Trek raised hand with palm forward, thumb extended, while the fingers are parted between the middle and the ring finger, devised by Leonard Nimoy. Uh, New York Times 68 New York Times interview said it was a double fingered version of Churchill's victory sign. And Nimoy said in that interview that he decided Vulcans were hand-oriented people. First appeared on the second season opening episode, Amok Time, A-M-O-K-T-I-M-E. Uh, A Mock Time, A M O K T I M E. The gesture is known for being difficult for certain people to do properly without practice or the covert prepositioning of fingers. I can do it on my left hand. On my right hand, I would have to preposition the fingers, uh, may dif- difficulty may stem from, uh, variations in manual dexterity. It was parodied in, uh, Star Trek First Contact, uh, when, uh, Zephrim is unable to do the gesture and then shakes a Vulcan's hand, and, uh, in, in I, in the autobiography, I am not Spock, uh. Nimai wrote that he placed it on the priestly uh, blessing, performed uh, both hands thumb to thumb after the Hebrew letter shin, or shin, S-H-I-N, which has three upward strokes, similar to the position of the thumb and fingers in the gesture, uh, which stands for uh, almighty, uh, and as well as Shalom, this is according to Wikipedia, uh, Nimoy wrote that when he was a child, his grandfather took him to an Orthodox synagogue where he saw the blessing performed and was impressed by it. Others often greeted Nimoy with the Vulcan sign, and it became so well known that it was in 2014 it was added to version seven of the Unicode standard, uh, U plus one F five nine six. So maybe that's how you do the emoji. And uh, so that's a little bit about that. And, uh, yeah, I, I give you the Vulcan salute, the vocal Vulcan salute. Uh, uh, live long and prosper. Good night.